Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? Oh, maybe we'll get an answer. And I don't think you'll like it. From Robert Mueller, too. Here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, People Powered Radio in LA. On uh, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest in China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Grand Rapids, WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD. In Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com with you here live today from our flagship station, KPFK, in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Glad you could join us today. There is a whole lot going on in the news today for a change. Uh, in fact, way more than we can adequately cover in one single show. So I hope you'll tune in tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. But uh, especially difficult today as we are, A, commemorating Earth Day, at least a little bit here today, and B, hoping to share some details from the Mueller report that very few have noticed at all, at least until I started tweeting about it over the weekend, and uh, at least according to the response there, uh, seemingly have succeeded in scaring the holy redacted out of uh, a whole bunch of folks in regard to what we may be looking at as we move towards the 2020 presidential election. And then, of course, C, there is the matter of whether Democrats should be moving forward with impeachment proceedings at this point, given what we have now learned from Robert Mueller's special counsel report. On those points, I hope to open up the phone lines this hour to you and to your thoughts on whether Democrats should now be moving full speed ahead towards an impeachment inquiry or not. Our number will be, uh, is, and will be 818-985-5735 if you wish to queue up now to ring in with your thoughts on that in a little bit. But before we get to all of that, very quickly, as mentioned, there's a ton of news all happening at once today. 
including the death toll in the horrific bombings at churches and luxury hotels on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka, where officials had hoped the nation had finally moved beyond a... Uh, a a years-long civil war there. Well, that death toll continues to rise, is now just under 300 today, with more than 500 wounded, including a number of American tourists who were killed there during as many as eight different coordinated blasts. In Ukraine, a comedian whose only political experience consists of playing a president on TV headed for a landslide victory in Ukraine's real-life presidential elections on Sunday. Exit polls released after uh, polling closed showed that the 41-year-old sitcom star Vladimir Zelensky received an extraordinary 73 percent. That's nearly three out of every four votes cast over the incumbent president. Uh, who received a little bit more than 25 percent, according to exit polls. Zelensky became famous nationwide for his comic portrayal in a Ukrainian television sitcom about a high school teacher who becomes president after a video of him denouncing corruption goes viral. Now he may be the real president. Both candidates had vowed to uh, continue moving Ukraine towards more cooperation with NATO and the West, as that nation remains in protracted uh, conflict with pro-Russian forces on uh, in the eastern part of the nation bordering Russia. Back here at home, where gas prices have risen uh, an average of about 60 cents a gallon across the U.S. in recent months, the Trump administration today is vowing to impose sanctions against U.S. allies, including Japan, South Korea, Turkey, India, as well as China, if they all don't stop purchasing oil from Iran, which the Trump administration is apparently hoping to go to war with or something. After pulling out of a six-way anti-nuclear deal that had stopped all nuclear production in the, uh, in the country that might have been used for weapons production by Iran in future years, that in exchange for lifting sanctions against them. Now Trump, who pulled the U.S. out of that landmark treaty, wants to punish our partners, our allies, for staying in the agreement, essentially, no matter the cost to U.S. consumers when it comes to gas and oil and the bargain, as well as the increasing cost to U.S. consumers that would come if Donald Trump imposed new tariffs on imports from those partner nations. One of, uh, of two of Trump's recently nominated and absurdly unqualified choices for the Federal Reserve Board That would be 2012 GOP presidential candidate and accused sexual harasser Herman Cain withdrew his nomination for contention for the uh, uh, Federal Reserve Board today amidst protests from Republicans in the U.S. Senate who made clear that there would not be enough votes for Cain's confirmation there. The expectations for Trump's other presumed nominee to the Fed, Stephen Moore, the buffoonishly unqualified buffoon and apparent tax cheat, uh, that nomination has not yet been withdrawn, but that withdrawal could be just a matter of time at this point, at least hopefully. Meanwhile, the Republicans' stolen U.S. Supreme Court on Monday announced that they would be taking up several cases this fall that will allow them to rule on whether federal employment 
anti-discrimination civil rights laws must be applied to LGBTQ people or not. Uh, and uh, let's see. Oh, a congressman, Seth Moulton, Democrat of Massachusetts, announced that he is joining an already crowded field of Democrats seeking the 2020 presidential nomination, bringing the latest total to 19, I think. By is that Desi Doyen? Am I right on that count? Do you have any idea? Actually, 19- I think it's 20, but you know, I can't. I should go back and look for I, sure. I was thinking so that uh, the 20th is going to be Joe Biden, who is set to announce his likely entry into the uh, into the contest this week. So uh, and uh, yes, Donald Trump is now going to federal court to sue the Democratic chair of the U.S. House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, and his own uh, Trump's own accounting firm in an attempt to block the Democratic majority's lawful subpoenas of Trump's past financial dealings. President is seeking a court order to block the subpoena issued last week by the committee to Mazars USA, which amounts to, as Washington Post describes it, the leader of the executive branch of government asking the judicial branch of government to stop the legislative branch of government from investigating his past. All of that while the executive branch is still simply defying federal law entirely by refusing to turn over six years of tax returns from Donald Trump and a number of his companies as sought under a decades-old law uh, by the House Ways and Means Committee. And as I was working my way over to the studio this afternoon, uh, news that the House Judiciary Committee has now subpoenaed former White House counsel Don McGahn, uh, to come in and testify what uh, to uh, much of what he had to say in the extraordinary findings of special counsel Robert Mueller's redacted report, which was finally released by Trump's AG on Thursday, which we will be talking a little bit more about uh, today as well. Uh, again, in regard to a, a tweet that uh, I put out there this weekend, and uh, I think it's got more than a thousand retweets now. People have just been sort of freaked out about it. So I will explain that in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, um, since I, I, I suspect we'll have much more to say about all of those stories as the week progresses. But today, there are a couple of other stories of equally or more significant concern, frankly, that I want to make sure we focus on. One being that information from the Mueller report and the other, uh, the 49th anniversary, I believe it is today, of uh, of Earth Day. That is correct. At a moment when the existential threat to human life on Earth, frankly, continues to accelerate along with global warming at an ever-increasing and frightening uh, pace. Am I right to put it that way, Desi Doyen? Yes, you are exactly right to put it that way. So just to be clear. Yeah. Earth Day started in 1970, yep. for those who don't know, um, and it occurred after several high-profile pollution inc- incidents that galvanized public opinion, like the Santa Barbara oil spill in 1969 and the Cuyahoga River in Ohio catching on catching fire. Catching on fire. Yes, because yes. of all the fuels and toxic chemicals that had been dumped in it. Yep. So since then, since the first Earth Day in 1970, mm-hmm. scientists in 1970 measured the Earth's planet, the planet's levels of carbon dioxide 
outside in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It was around 325 parts per million, yep. 325 parts per million. 49 years later, that number has jumped up to 412, almost 90 parts per million higher than it was in 1970. That is what scientists say is the highest in at least 800,000 years. And that's um, 800,000 years ago is before we had the stable climate conditions that mm-hmm. allowed human society to flourish, like agriculture and stuff. Um, the, Not just to flourish, but to exist at all. Exactly. At that point. Yeah. The impacts of man-made global warming since then have unfolded in line with scientists' predictions. The oceans are rising, extreme weather disasters, droughts, and crop failures are triggering migration around the world, and U.S. taxpayers are paying billions of dollars every year to rebuild communities after wildfires, hurricanes, and other extreme weather disasters have destroyed those communities, some repeatedly. So in a blockbuster study last fall. Some repeatedly, by the way, within just the past few weeks, as we have seen one monster thousand-year storm and flood after another just devastate the upper Midwest. Exactly. So last fall, in a blockbuster study, scientists with the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change calculated that we have about 12 years to mobilize ourselves, to get ourselves on the path to cutting our emissions in half by 2030. So just like in 1970, galvanizing public opinion is creating the conditions to create these paths forward to succeed in this transition. So Democratic members of congressmen like of Congress, like freshman representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, have introduced the Green New Deal. That is an ambitious framework to create millions of jobs that can't be outsourced by setting us on a path to a managed and rapid transition away from mm-hmm. fossil fuels that is in line with the speed and scope that scientists say is necessary for us to avoid catastrophe. And In addition to that, the Green New Deal would supply millions of jobs and guarantees of living wages and health care for all in the bargain, uh, uh, not the least of which are coal miners and others in the fossil fuel industry who are set to lose their jobs as fossil fuel necessarily uh, falls away. Phased out, yeah. So it would upgrade our infrastructure for resilience, retrofit all buildings for energy efficiency, clean up legacy pollution, create that just transition for all workers. Anybody who wants to work on the Green New Deal would have a good paying job for it. And that would also include those fossil fuel workers and those low-income communities. And the thing is, this could be really hard to imagine. It is proven hard to imagine for a lot of people to understand what this might look like in real life. And helping us to understand what that might look like, uh, late last week, and you know, I should note here, Des, uh, we, we often say, because we have been covering this not just once a year on Earth Day, but what do we say over on the Green News Report? <laughs> Every day is Earth Day. Every day is Earth Day. We do the Green News Report uh, two, day, uh, two, ta- two days a week. Uh, we do talk about these issues damn near five days a week right here on the Bradcast. Um, so, you know, we're, we don't do anything special on Earth Day that we don't do every other day of the year year at this point over the last 10 or 15 years. But late last week, uh, over at The Intercept, author Naomi Klein posted a charming animated video illustrated by artist Molly Crabapple and voiced by, yes, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The name of this video is 
A Message from the Future with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in which the freshman congresswoman discusses from the perspective of her future older self the successes of the Green New Deal, which, as Desi described, she recently proposed with veteran uh, Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey in hopes of mobilizing the nation over the next decade to take on this climate crisis. So in commemoration of Earth Day, then, uh, I will post a, a link to the full video here when I post the show this evening at bradblog.com, as I do every day. But I want to I want to share the audio with you as what I'll uh, describe as a few minutes of hope and optimism today, uh, at least before we get to some of the uh, troubling points that I need to uh, cover from the Mueller report momentarily and your responses to all of it. Here is a message from the future with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ah, the bullet train from New York to D.C. It always brings me back to when I first started making this commute. In 2019, I was a freshman in the most diverse Congress in history. Up to that point, it was a critical time. I'll never forget the children in our community. They were so inspired to see this new class of politicians who reflected them navigating the halls of power. It's often said, you can't be what you can't see. And for the first time, they saw themselves. I think there was something similar with the Green New Deal. We knew that we needed to save the planet and that we had all the technology to do it. But people were scared. They said it was too big, too fast, not practical. I think that's because they just couldn't picture it yet. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start with how we got here. 1977, New York. A senior scientist named James Black made a presentation about how burning fossil fuels could eventually lead to global temperatures rising four or five degrees Fahrenheit. Within two years, one of the world's biggest super tankers was outfitted with a state-of-the-art lab to measure CO2 in the ocean, gathering more data about global warming. Guess who was doing all of this research? Exxon Mobil, the oil and gas company. Oh yeah, Exxon knew this whole time, as did our politicians. Ten years later, James Hansen, NASA's top climate scientist, told Congress he was 99% certain that global warming was happening and caused by humans. That was 1988, the year before I was even born. So did Exxon listen to the science, including their own? Did they change business models, invest in renewables? No, the opposite. They knew and they doubled down. They and others spent millions setting up a network of lobby groups and think tanks to create doubt and denial about climate change. It was an effort designed to attack and dispute the very kind of science they themselves had been doing. And it worked. Politicians went to bat for fossil fuels and these massive corporations kept digging and mining, drilling and fracking like there was no tomorrow. America became the biggest producer and consumer of oil in the world. Fossil fuel companies made hundreds of billions while the public paid the lion's share to clean up their disasters. We lost a generation of time we'll never get back. Entire species will never get back. Natural wonders gone forever. And in 2017, Hurricane Maria destroyed the place where my family was from, Puerto Rico. It was like a climate bomb. It took as many American lives as 9-11. And in the next year, 
when I was elected to Congress, the world's leading climate scientists declared another emergency. They told us that we had 12 years left to cut our emissions in half, or hundreds of millions of people would be more likely to face food and water shortages, poverty, and death. 12 years to change everything. How we got around, how we fed ourselves, how we made our stuff, how we lived and worked, everything. The only way to do it was to transform our economy, which we already knew was broken since the vast majority of wealth was going to just a small handful of people and most folks were falling further and further behind. It was a true turning point. Lots of people gave up. They said we were doomed. But some of us remembered that as a nation, we'd been in peril before. The Great Depression, World War II. We knew from our history how to pull together to overcome impossible odds. And at the very least, we owed it to our children to try. The wave began when Democrats took back the House in 2018, and then the Senate and the White House in 2020, and launched the decade of the Green New Deal, a flurry of legislation that kicked off our social and ecological transformation to save the planet. It was the kind of swing for the fence ambition we needed. Finally, we were entertaining solutions on the scale of the crises we faced without leaving anyone behind. That included Medicare for All, the most popular social program in American history. We also introduced the Federal Jobs Guarantee, a public option including dignified living wages for work. Funnily enough, the biggest problem in those early years was a labor shortage. We were building a national smart grid, retrofitting every building in America, putting trains like this one all across the country. We needed more workers. That group of kids from my neighborhood were right in the middle of it all, especially this one girl, Ileana. Her first job out of college was with AmeriCorps Climate, restoring wetlands and bayous in coastal Louisiana. Most of her friends were in her union, including some oil workers in transition. They took apart old pipelines and got to work planting mangroves with the same salary and benefits. Of course, when it came to healing the land, we had huge gaps in our knowledge. Luckily, indigenous communities offered generational expertise to help guide the way. Ileana got restless, tried her hand as a solar plant engineer for a while, but eventually made her career in raising the next generation as part of the Universal Child Care Initiative. As it turns out, caring for others is valuable, low-carbon work, and we started paying real money to folks like teachers, domestic workers, and home health aides. Those were years of massive change, and not all of it was good. When Hurricane Sheldon hit Southern Florida, Parts of Miami went underwater for the last time. But as we battled the floods, fires, and droughts, we knew how lucky we were to have started acting when we did. And we didn't just change the infrastructure, we changed how we did things. We became a society that was not only modern and wealthy, but dignified and humane too. By committing to universal rights like healthcare and meaningful work for all, we stopped being so scared of the future. We stopped being scared of each other, and we found our shared purpose. Ileana heard the call too, and in 2028, she ran for office in the first cycle of publicly funded election campaigns. And now she occupies the seat that I once held. I couldn't be more proud of her, a true child of the Green New Deal. 
When I think back to my first term in Congress, riding that old school Amtrak in 2019, all of this was still ahead of us. And the first big step was just closing our eyes and imagining it. We can be whatever we have the courage to see. A vision of the future, from the future, a message from the future with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in uh, commemoration of Earth Day here on the broadcast. A vision that, uh, at least to some of us, is completely imaginable. Um, I will post a link to that video tonight as illustrated by Molly Crabapple uh, when I post the show. I hope you'll share it with friends and family on Earth Day and beyond as we take on this fight, as I say, every day here on the broadcast and on our Green News report. Uh, well, speaking of saving the world and ending the dangers uh, posed by fossil fuels such as coal, oil and natural gas, the redacted Mueller report discusses quite a bit on how the Internet Research Agency, or IRA, the so-called Russian troll farm said to have been directed by Russian intelligence, how they published hundreds of social media ads and messages hoping to exploit divisions in the U.S. on issues related to things like fossil fuels. Uh, but as Mueller notes, the effort did not stop there. In fact, the IRA actually helped to organize rallies in real life in our country over over the issues, over those issues during the campaign. As Grist reports, based on details from the Mueller report, the Internet Research Agency also organized a number of 2016 pro-Trump events in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia according to the report in that in key sing, uh, swing state of Pennsylvania, the Keystone state, as a matter of fact. Uh, one of the rallies featured a Miners for Trump poster, which said, uh, how many Pennsylvania workers lost their jobs due to Obama's disruptive policies? Help Mr. Trump fix it. This was propaganda coming straight from Russia. We have discussed on this show Many times now, the evidence uh, demonstrating that coal miners would have been much better off under Hillary Clinton's proposed policies to actually fund the pensions of those uh, coal companies uh, that are uh, declaring bankruptcy and they're trying to avoid paying off those miners, taking care of those miners as promised, not to mention their health care coverage for those suffering from the new epidemic of black lung disease in, that is sweeping coal country right now, which Trump and Senate Republicans still refuse to renew and properly fund. Uh, AOC includes similar funding, by the way, for coal miners whose jobs will be lost with or without the Green New Deal. But she includes that uh, funding to guarantee their pensions in her landmark resolution. But we will uh, return to that on another day. And I will note, by the way, that uh, though Russian propaganda was uh, posting these messages in the middle of the 2016 election. These are the same messages that were also being published by, you know, Fox News and other folks on the right, the same type of propaganda. Anyway, we'll return to that in another day, I suspect, perhaps even on tomorrow's Green News Report with Desi Doyen. I am just guessing, but there is an important point from the Mueller report that has been getting very little notice, at least until the weekend when I tried to help folks notice it a little bit 
on the Twitters. And uh, boy, have they. It underscores the question of whether Donald Trump actually even won the 2016 election at all and whether we will face the same uncertainties in 2020. That report is next. And then your calls on whether you think Democrats in Congress should now be moving forward right now with impeachment proceedings. I do. But uh, maybe you have your own thoughts on that. Get in line at 818-985-5735 if you're listening live today. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows The fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes That's how it goes Everybody knows Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com And I don't know uh, No, everybody does not know Everybody does not know In fact, nobody apparently knows nothing Uh, Though I suspect listeners to the broadcast may know a hell of a lot more than most on this point. There is a reason I have been playing this uh, this clip with with some frequency on this show over the past two years uh, of Department of Homeland Security Assistant Director Jeanette Manfra um, testifying in the Senate Intelligence Committee back in June of 2017, just a few months after the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Now, she was responding to questions from Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon, as to whether the Department of Homeland Security had ever bothered to check the ballots or the voting system servers and tabulators, the computer tabulators in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania to assure that the results as reported by those computers were actually accurate or whether they had been manipulated in some fashion by foreign agents or even domestic agents. This would seem to be important in any election, but particularly this one in 2016, given how close the races were in those three states, Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, uh, which hadn't selected a Republican presidential nominee in decades until the shocking, if never verified by human beings, results that were reported uh, of the uh, 2016 presidential election. So here's that exchange. Once again, a very short uh, part of it here in June of 2017 between Senator Ron Wyden and Assistant Director for Cybersecurity for the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, 
Jeanette Manfra. She leads the DHS mission of protecting and strengthening the nation's critical infrastructure, which now includes election systems from cyber threats. Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? We have not, our department has not conducted forensics on specific voting machines. So there's the DHS, the head of the DHS uh, who would look into cybersecurity issues uh, regarding the 2016 election saying, no, we never bothered. We never bothered to look at the voting machines. We never bothered to look at the tabulators and the servers. They never bothered after 2016. That were the systems that were used to conduct the 2016 presidential election and will be used again to conduct the 2020 presidential election. Meanwhile, here is what we now have from the redacted Mueller report and what he had to say about this matter. This is from volume one of his two volume report, volume one, page 51, section uh, entitled Intrusions Targeting the Administration of U.S. Elections. Finding that Russians targeted private election vendors in addition to government election authorities um, that are pervasive, these uh, systems, these vendors, as uh, Brennan Center Counsel Christopher DeLuzio noted, in nearly every aspect of election administration. Here's how uh, Mueller describes it, okay? Um, Intrusions targeting the administration of U.S. elections. In addition to targeting individuals involved in the Clinton campaign, GRU officers, that's Russian intelligence, Russian intelligence officers also targeted individuals and entities involved in the administration of the elections. Victims included U.S. state and local entities such as state boards of elections, secretaries of state and county governments, as well as individuals who worked for those entities. Russian intelligence also targeted private technology firms responsible for manufacturing and administering election-related software and hardware, such as voter registration software and electronic polling stations. That would be voting machines and tabulators. The GRU, Russian intelligence, continued to target these victims through the elections in November 2016. While the investigation identified evidence that the GRU targeted these individuals and entities, the office, the special counsel's office, did not investigate further. The special counsel's office did not, for instance, obtain or examine servers or other relevant items belonging to these election-related victims. The special counsel's office understands that the FBI, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the states have separately investigated that activity. Well, as I just played you, the Department of Homeland Security has not investigated that activity. In fact, no one has. Nobody has. The DHS, the person who would have done the investigation, said, no, we haven't done it. Uh, I've seen no evidence that the FBI has done it. They haven't discussed it in any way, shape or form. Uh, Nothing from the states that they've uh, put in place analyses of varying types, forensic analysis, the type that Ron Wyden, Senator Wyden, was asking about in that clip, that they have put those in place. 
to check to make sure that the programming for the 2016 election, that the uh, tabulators for the 2016 election, that the voting machines themselves for the 2016 election weren't in some fashion manipulated by someone, actors, foreign or domestic, screwing with the results of our election in 2016. Despite how close it was, despite the surprise ending, nobody has bothered to look. And I believe I have been pointing this out. We have been playing that clip from uh, uh, Jeanette Manfred for the past two years, trying to help people understand that, trying to help people notice that. And I quoted uh, from the uh, and and by the way, there was more we may get to on future shows uh, about what uh, the uh, intelligence Russian intelligence is accused of doing when it comes to voter registration systems and implanting malware on the systems of these election officials. So I posted uh, along with that part of the Mueller report uh, on on Twitter over the weekend and added the comment that Mueller says here that his team did not examine voting systems to determine if votes were changed or manipulated, but that other investigative bodies were doing so. And yet, in June 2017, Department of Homeland Security's Jeanette Manfred told the Senate Intel uh, Committee that the agency had not done so. And I added, I believe no one ever has. No one has bothered to check if the results of 2016 were accurate. I also added on Twitter, uh, just FYI, Trump is said to have won by fewer than 80,000 votes in three key states that had not gone to the GOP in decades. That would be Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. I noted that had just two votes, two, two votes in each precinct in each of those states been recorded for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton would be the president now. And I've been pointing this out for the past two years or more at this point on this program. But finally, it looks like people on Twitter began to notice over the weekend uh, a couple of those uh, tweets that I put out there have, you know, over, well over a thousand tweets at uh, retweets at this point and likes and so forth. And I should note here also that the Mueller report refers to Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort briefing a business associate of his Ukrainian national Konstantin Klimnik, who is tied to Russian intelligence, quote, on the state of the Trump campaign and Manafort's plan to win the election, the briefing encompassed the campaign's messaging and its inter in its internal polling data. According to Manafort's partner, Rick Gates, who was cooperating with the special counsel, the briefings also included discussions of battleground states, which Manafort identified as Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Minnesota which barely went to Hillary Clinton in 2016. The other three went to uh, to Donald Trump for the first time going to a Republican in decades. And nobody bothered to check if these highly, easily manipulatable uh, voting systems and servers were in fact manipulated in some fashion by the Russians who had, in fact, yes, intruded uh, into election official websites, into their actual computers, into the actual computers of people who worked for these voting system vendors. 
at least according to special counsel Robert Mueller's two-year report. I can't tell you everything that it says because a lot of this is redacted here, but it makes it clear that um, somebody, Russians, did get inside some of these systems, these very systems that program the systems that you vote on uh, or have your votes tabulated on in all 50 states. And I, I think that that is something that a lot of people don't understand when they hear a voting machine vendor say, well, these machines individually are not connected to the Internet. Well, that machine may not be, but the computer that programmed it was. And the computer that programmed it may have malware on it that was placed there by Russia or, by the way, China, Iran, uh, France, uh, Australia. An election insider. Here in the U.S., correct. So take your pick. Take your pick of, 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 uh, of bad actors here who might want to manipulate an election in which billions, if not trillions of dollars uh, are, are, are hanging in the balance. And yet nobody, it appears, in the federal government or in the state government went back to check to find out if those votes were manipulated, if those results, those tallies were ever manipulated. And uh, incredibly, uh, Robert Mueller, in his special counsel report, confirms that point again that we've been making for the past two years. And things are not getting any better for 2020. In fact, they are getting worse. In fact, even in places like Los Angeles County right here, we are moving to a new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting system. Here in L.A. County, the largest voting jurisdiction, not just in California, but in the entire country. This seems to me to be a concern of similar concern is whether this president who obstructed justice time and time and time again, according to this report and according to the people who worked for him at the highest levels who are quoted in this report, uh, whether he should be now facing removal from office and an impeachment proceeding in the U.S. House and hopefully a trial in the U.S. Senate. I'd love your thoughts on that. Now that you've had some time to look at the uh, Mueller report and hear from Republicans and Democrats alike about it, let's take a quick break and we will come back with your calls on that at 818-985-5735 is our phone number 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation, or even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. I believe it's time for me to fly. 
Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thanks for sticking with it. Uh, with us, It uh, I would argue it is time for Donald Trump to fly. But in order to do that, that means Democrats have to get their stuff together and begin impeachment proceedings in the U.S. House of Representatives. And uh, I believe the uh, Mueller report spells out one reason after another after another why those uh, impeachment proceedings should move forward. Nonetheless, uh, while there's been a bunch of freshman Democrats who have come out in, uh, in favor of doing the right thing and doing their constitutional duty in the U.S. House, um, a lot of other uh, Democrats in the House and in the Senate have been uh, much more cautious about that. Elizabeth Warren so far is the only presidential candidate to come out very clearly and very loudly when it comes to uh, demanding impeachment proceedings begin. Here she is on Friday, I believe, on The Rachel Maddow Show. This is about a point of principle. Uh, The report is absolutely clear that a foreign government attacked our electoral system to help Donald Trump. He welcomed that help. And then when it was investigated by our own federal authorities, Donald Trump took multiple steps to try to obstruct justice. You know, this is one of those moments when I get it, that there are people who think politically, no, it's going to be too hard to do this. This isn't about politics. This isn't even specifically about Donald Trump himself. It is about what a president of the United States should be able to do and what the role of Congress is in saying, no, a president does not get to come in and stop an investigation about a foreign power that attacked this country or an investigation about his own wrongdoing. Equal justice under law. No one is above the law, and that includes the president of the United States. It is the constitutional responsibility of Congress to follow through on that. That's presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren, the only one so far to come out that clearly in favor of impeachment. Uh, And I concur with Elizabeth Warren on that point. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, Let's go to, uh, do we have some folks who disagree with me? Let me go to Joe in Santa Barbara. Hey, Joe, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, Brad, how's it going? Uh, uh, I I always like your show, and you're you're always trying to get to the source of our problems. Thank you, sir. You know, um, uh, the voting machines have proprietary problems, which we are not allowed to see. Mm-hmm. how they even work. Right. So if the FBI was investigating and they said someone um, interfered in our voting mm-hmm. system, yeah. they must have, how did they find, how did they know? Uh, uh, how does the FBI know? Or well, how does the yeah, uh, special if, counsel if, know? If you, if you can't get the proprietary uh, information out mm-hmm. of the voting machines, yeah. how do you know what everything happened? Well, that's the problem. Right. And uh, that's exactly the problem. And now, in fact, they could have subpoenaed that information. They could have subpoenaed those they servers. Could, yeah. they, they could look at all of that things. stuff. Yeah. And they didn't. And that troubles me, Joe. So I was wondering about the list. Do you think the Israelis might have been involved with it? They, sure. Why not? You know, because also the I Canadians. Think so. I think yeah, I'm thinking the Canadians, Joe. The Canadians right. also may have been involved with it. Also, right. the uh, right. Australians may have been involved with it. It we're, could be anyone, Joe. We're like a blind man in a room. Correct. Correct. We haven't looked, so we don't know, and that's my point. Right, and so we're, we're, so is the sh- the people who have 
are, are just so enamored with this man that says he's going to make everything better and doesn't, that they, they, they don't have enough the wherewithal of civic pride to find out who, what, where, and when? Apparently they do not, Joe. Very disappointing. I, yep. I'm I'm seventy plus years, so I figure the young people, it, it's on their heads to get up and fight these guys. Working on it. We're, Work, we're seeing it. Working on it, Joe. Thanks. And and I should note the uh, the young folks are doing it. It is the freshmen in uh, Congress. Uh, who are moving forward. Rashida Tlaib has filed articles of impeachment. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has signed on. So, uh, yeah, let's go to uh, Gigi in Pasadena. Hey, Gigi, welcome to the broadcast. Hi there, Brad. As always, excellent show. Thank you. You know what? Uh, You're welcome. John Kerry, Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, and I'm going to even throw in Mr. Mr. Barack Obama, who did not uh, contest when his um, Supreme Court choice, mm-hmm. uh, Gorsuch didn't get in. You know, we need leadership. We really are lacking leadership. Now, if you want to run, I will do everything <laughs> I can to get you elected. Well, th- th- people, like, people like you. But I'm just saying, you know, all kidding aside, yeah. we're out here and we're waiting for these people to say something and do something. And then uh, Pelosi, oh, he's not worth it. But you know what that said? It said that you also feel our Constitution is not worth you going through the steps for impeachment. We're very discouraged out here. It's only shows like yours that just keep us hanging by a thread. Love you. Thank you. Love you back, Gigi. And I believe you mean it was um, uh, not Gorsuch, but Merrick Garland, who was uh, Obama's nominee to the Supreme Court, who was not given a hearing for more than a year or ever an up or down vote. 818-985-5735. If you are waiting For the Democrats to do something, for the Democrats to take action, for the Democrats or anyone else, DHS, FBI, Robert Mueller, to save you, um, stop waiting. They're not going to. You're going to save yourself. The U.S. Capitol phone number, if you have, uh, if you want to tell them that you would like to see impeachment proceedings begin, that phone number, write it down too. 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. You can talk to the office of your members of Congress and give them your thoughts on all of this. Let's go to Julie in Costa Mesa. Hey, Julie, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thanks. You bet. Um, you know, our um, in Orange County, we have. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. Orange, okay, in Orange County, we had a voting uh, academy last summer, and um, it turns out Orange County does auditing every after every election. Yeah. And um, you know, you can get on the mailing list and then find out about it, and then they open it to the public, and you can come and watch. And Excellent. So I think the county might have something similar, but I I thought the voters voted on something for California to require auditing. Yeah. Well, let me well let me exp- let me explain that first. Uh, Orange County is just experimenting with post election audits, which in fact are not actual audits. What they are is spot checks, where they take a few. Uh, a few votes here and there and see if it matches up with how they were reported by the voting uh, machines. Now, the problem in Orange County is that the entire county uses 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems on Election Day at the polling place. And uh, the uh, registrar there, Neil Kelly, is wanting to move away from that system. And I hope he does. And most people are now voting by, uh, with hand marked paper ballots 
in Orange County by mail. And yet still, the point I'm getting at here is a post-election spot check of computer printed pieces of paper are, Mm -hmm. in the words of the man, uh, Professor Philip Stark, who developed post-election risk limiting audits, audits of systems that have printed computer ballots are meaningless. He has said. So what you're counting when you're counting a computer printed ballot, you don't know if that actually reflects the will of the voter or not. If there's a bad guy who got into the system, he could have changed that already before the computer marked ballot was was printed out. Does that make sense, Julie? Well, it, it, it does, except that we were told in the academy that every part of the voting process is delivered back to headquarters independently. So the touch screen mm-hmm. is separated from the, from the computer that keeps the tally, mm-hmm. which is separated from the machine that does the programming, mm-hmm. which is separate from the, you know. Yeah, so and who, who pro- sure that everything is in sync at the afterwards. I, 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 well, I understand, but what, what can't be known to be in sync is the programming of those ballots. If the programming of those ballots before anybody votes has already been manipulated, if the uh, tabulation software back at headquarters has already been manipulated, oh, we, we can't yeah. know. That's the problem. Oh. And that, by the way, that system is now coming, uh, or one very similar to it, is now coming to Los Angeles County as well. Not happy about okay. it at all. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate your call. Okay. Hope that yeah, cl- cleared that up and didn't freak you out too much. I know it freaks me out every day. Oh, let's go to uh, let's go to Jerry in East L.A. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. I think it's a sad day in America when the so-called left is parodying CIA, NSA, deep state talking points. This whole fake Russia gate conspiracy mm-hmm. is just another attempt of the deep state to stifle dissent on the left. Really? For example. Hang on, Jerry, let me ask you. Well, no, no, no. Let me let me ask you a question. So if, if this is a big conspiracy, who is it that checked the voting systems in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania well, to make sure they weren't manipulated? Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because according to all the news that I read, uh-huh. including the, the left-wing press and the right-wing press, yeah. like MSNBC, Fox News, when the the DNC which one was the left which one was the left wing press Jerry, go ahead. Like uh, Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Okay. You know, she's pretty left wing. Wouldn't you say she's left wing? Uh, not so, in compared to how far Fox News is extremist right wing. But go ahead, Jerry. Doesn't matter. Which point? Okay. Well, so from what I understand, the DNC never turned over their server to the FBI. They had a private Correct. security firm investigate it. Don't you think that's Correct. that's deeply troubling as well? Uh. I, I, I would have liked to have had the FBI look at that server rather than a mirror image of the server, yes. Right. Well, the thing is, is that according to all the WikiLeaks documents that I personally read myself, mm-hmm. it seems that Hillary Clinton and her buddies at the DNC mm-hmm. encouraged the mainstream press, including CNN, MSNBC, so yep. on and so forth, mm-hmm. to focus attention on Donald Trump mm-hmm. by, via the Pied Piper strategy. So not only did Hillary Clinton want this guy to be her opponent, she handpicked him. She yeah, also that's right. colluded with the DNC yeah. to rig a primary against Bernie Sanders. Well, no, uh, there, were, there was no rigged primaries against Bernie Sanders. Which state are you talking about that was rigged, Jerry? Okay, well, for example, like Nevada. Yeah. Those, those, in Nevada, you had CNN. Nevada has, cauc- Nevada has caucuses, not primaries. Go right. ahead. So, so you had CNN doctoring footage of uh, Bernie supporters, Bernie Bros 
supposedly throwing chairs, but that never happened. Things like that never happened. Now, actually, there were chairs uh, thrown. They, they did happen. They did not happen the way CNN and MSNBC reported them, and they had nothing to do well, with the results. The thing is, so, well, the thing is, yeah. is that the, the, executive, the executive staff at MSNBC also told Ed Schultz not to cover Bernie Sanders. Yeah. While CNN... That, that's that, this is all fine. This is all fine. We've talked about a lot of this stuff it's before. Not, I'm talking about the crimes. I'm I'm talking about Jerry. 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 Okay. If you're not going to let me respond to you, then I'm going to have to let you go. I would have liked to have responded to you to find out how it's a conspiracy theory that Donald Trump ordered the White House Counsel to fire. The uh, the uh, special counsel that was uh, duly constitutionally appointed. But I guess you don't want to respond to that sort of thing. So uh, these are not conspiracy theories. It is not a conspiracy theory that Donald Trump wrote checks to buy the silence uh, of a woman with whom he was having an affair to keep her silent just before the election began in violation of campaign finance laws and could possibly have affected these, what did I say, two votes in each precinct recorded for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump. She would have been the president, not him. I believe in the rule of law and the Constitution. I'm sorry to hear the folks like uh, Jerry don't seem to. And despite his complaints about the media, which are fine, complain about them all you want. I do it every day. Jose in L.A., welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hello? Hello. Go ahead, Jose. Well, hi. Yes, I just, um, well, just to go back to some of Jerry's points, they are kind of, some of them are valid, so I did, I'm glad he brought them up, and I'm glad you bring them up, too, about criticism of our so-called left and right media, mm-hmm. uh, MSNBC, Fox, which really don't cover any news whatsoever, neither the CNN, like, I better get your, my news from you as opposed to them. Okay. But, um, but I, I, going to the Mueller report, um, I think it should be used as a, more as a launching pad to investigations as opposed to the end-all, end be-all, which seems to be happening right now. Um, well, to be clear, question. Jose, to be clear, uh, an impeachment inquiry is exactly that. An impeachment is yeah. an investigation. Yeah. They do the investigation in the and, House, and then they vote on whether to send uh, charges to the Senate. Yeah, so. I, 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 get, I, I get that, and yeah. I think um, more more members of Congress should be jumping on that. Um, I remember, I think Al Green from Texas was thinking of doing it, yeah. Maxine Waters, mm-hmm. uh, and then the person who did it now, I'm from Minnesota, um, and I think, you know, we Rashida should... Rashida Tlaib, yeah. Yeah, they should over. Yeah, I think they should overwhelm them, and yes, the same thing should go with um, local investigations. You know, with the uh, manipulation of um, or the campaign finance violations mm-hmm. that took place. You know, other states can take charge against that and just launch investigation after investigation, so they can't lie about it anymore. And it's just, you know, what if um, Congress doesn't want to um, do a full-scale investigation? Maybe some states can get together and do their own, and then well, they're Congress and they're 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 doing it. They're investigating, but they need to make it official by introducing articles of impeachment and voting on them. Jose, I got to get out of here. I really appreciate your call and everyone else's. Let me. Can I give Morris ten seconds because he's always uh, good at this? Hey, Morris, you got ten seconds, brother. I love you. I don't need that. I don't need ten. What does the Bible and Donald Trump's tax returns have in common, Brad? What? They both tell it all.
There you, there you go. Thanks, Mo. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Thanks to my uh, engineer today, D'Angelo Jones, to my producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Missed any portion of today's show? Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. And I think that's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.